to think we have 70 billion owned animals, seven zero billion, 70 billion animals on this planet for human consumption, and there's only nine billion of us nearly. We have we have an eating issue. We are literally eating our planet to death because 80% of all global deforestation is due to animal agriculture. That was Jimmy Halfcut, and this is the Euphoria Health Podcast. Howdy folks and welcome back to another episode of the Euphoria Health Podcast. For any new listeners out there, I am your host, Matt Sapala. Welcome along for the very first time. If it is your first time listening to the podcast, I'm so excited to have you on board. I guess I should probably introduce myself a little bit more formally. You obviously know my name, Matt Sapala, and a little bit about my background. I am a qualified personal trainer and I'm currently studying a Bachelor of Health Science majoring in nutrition. I have a deep passion for holistic health, movement, longevity, and sustainability through everything that we do. I'm so grateful for this platform and so excited to be able to add value to your life by educating and inspiring you on ways to create healthful decisions each and every day, decisions that add years to your life. I live by this philosophy and it is that I don't want to be your quick fix as a trainer or a coach, I want to be your only fix. This week on the show, I'm joined by environmentalist Jimmy Stanton-Cook, or better known as Jimmy Halfcut. You may have recognized Jimmy as the dude walking around with half a beard. Yep, half clean shaven and a half bearded man, which is something else. This is not due to a lost bet between mates. There is a deeper meaning behind his decision to go half-cut. The half-cut beard is symbolic of over 50% of the world's rainforest being chopped down. A huge percentage of this land is being used and will continue to be used for livestock. That's right, we are actively destroying the lungs of the earth to put foods on our plate. If this seems too far away from home to worry about now, I can confidently say it's not. Our climate crisis is worsening by the day with environmental scientists predicting a grim future if we stay on the current trajectory. This conversation I had with Jimmy is one that is both close to our hearts and a conversation in which I hope it will raise awareness and inspire you to make changes. Jimmy and the team at Halfcut are doing an incredible job aiming to rewild the earth. Through donations, they are buying back the land that is underneath the Daintree National Park in far north Queensland, and they are gifting it to the traditional custodians of the land, so then they can nurture and protect this wonderful space. During the show, Jimmy explains at length about our current climate crisis and just how important our beloved rainforests are for the survival of us as human beings and for all species on earth. Jimmy also shares with us the ways that we can make a difference without donating a single cent. And this is something that is super, super important because it's something that we can consciously do in order to buy back our wonderful rainforests. In October last year, I set out on my trek to run my first ever marathon and I thought I would add an element of accountability to the event. So I decided to 
create a donation page to raise funds for the Half Cut organisation. The journey itself was extremely humbling in which I'm so grateful for and really grateful that we as a team were able to raise almost $1,000. Thank you to everyone for your support, both donations and any messages of support. It was so humbling and I can't wait to do this all again. Jimmy, thank you so much for the incredible work that you and the team do at Half Cut. It is important work and something that does not go unnoticed. Guys, I hope you enjoy the show. I hope you get as much value out of this as I did, and I can't wait to hear your feedback. I'll see you all on the other side. James Stanton Cook, or better known as Jimmy Halfcut. How are you, brother? Hey, going well, Maddie. Thanks for having me, mate. Um, actually, I'm doing more than well, mate. Oh, I'm bloody pumped at the moment. It's been a mega awesome week um, for conservation, for cassowaries, for traditional owners. So, yeah, mate, big week and uh, more to come. So, yeah, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, things are well down here. I know we were chatting off air about where we're just surviving lockdown. We're, we're actually thriving, not surviving during lockdown in Melbourne <laughs> and Sydney. But as you touched on it before, it's been a huge week and a, and a huge win for the incredible work that you do. Um, for the people that have, haven't heard about the, the massive progressions in this environmental space, would you be able to give us a, a baseline of what, what happened over the week? Yeah, so, um, well, I'll just touch quickly on World Cassowary Day. So that was the 26th of September, um, protecting habitat for the mighty endangered uh, southern cassowary. Um, we're still trying to save one more lot, which will make five lots in total for the half-cut campaign, which is pretty spectacular. Uh, but the other really major event that actually happened on the 29th was the Daintree National Park was finally gifted back to the lowland Daintree traditional owners, the Gugu Yalangi Barma mob, uh, with uh, the help of Jabalbina Yalangi Aboriginal Corporation. So we're talking over 160,000 hectares uh, that has been you know, a 20-year-long program um, to make this happen. So just to give an example of what this means and what that's about, it's the same as Uluru and Kakadu, um, where it's national park, World Heritage National Parks that are rightfully being managed by traditional owners um, and you know, being the custodians and also engaging in uh, as the rangers. So look, it, it was mega, it was awesome. It was, um, unfortunately we couldn't be there. We were invited to be at this historic uh, you know, mega event. Unfortunately, lockdown kept us in Sydney. Um, but again, um, we just are so honoured to be part of this process um, with the work that we're doing. And I think just to make it very clear, what this means is our work is far from over. Um, it hasn't changed anything really. Regrettably, the government at the time, in the late uh, 1988, uh, released two thirds of the Daintree for rural residential and development. So that, that was a combination of animal agriculture and uh, rural residential housing. So our work has only really just begun. Uh, we know we've protected now 18 lots in two years, which is pretty spectacular. And I think we're now over, I think it's about 88 uh, hectares that we've expanded into Daintree. And the real reality is we've mapped out 207 lots uh, or properties, uh, which are untouched, uh, untouched pristine, uh, a continuous ev evolution of Gondwana land rainforest of 120 million years, right, that we can continue to expand Daintree National Park. So and you can imagine the excitement was massive. We had half cutters and supporters. Oh, we've done it. It's, it's like, no, no, 
Unfortunately, it's just the native title handback, which should have happened 20 years ago. Our work has only just begun. Um, so we're, it's exciting as well. It's a huge win. And I know we're going to touch on it as we unpack this whole conversation a bit later on, but the work that you guys are doing and you in particular at Half Cut is incredible. And it's gone a long way into, you know, raising awareness for this mega event that should have happened 20 years ago, like you've said, because there's a whole long history to this beautiful land before we even got here. Oh, look, it's, um, look, it's still mind boggling to think that um, any form of development could happen in the world's oldest rainforest, but here we are. Um, you know, we now, after the back end of some, you know, uh, some wonderful awards uh, that have, we've been recognised with, with the Premier's Award for Reconciliation and Partnerships with Jabal Bina and our other partners in Conservation Rainforest 4, uh, now this incredible um, gift back or hand back to traditional owners, we're now not stopping there. We, we're going to go to government uh, and say, well, look, you know, meet us halfway. Uh, we know it's probably around 50 million to potentially 60 million to buy back the rest of the Dane tree. Uh, and also then to ensure that traditional owners, the Eastern Gugu Yalanji Barma mob, other uh, national park rangers, which they've already got an incredible rangers program with Jabal Bina. And uh, I think they're up to 38 current traditional owner rangers, uh, you know, going through the whole process, but they also have a deep history of culture um, to heal both their own culture and the land from stolen generation. But uh, what we want to do is hit the government and say, well, look, yes, this is good. Tick, that should have happened a while ago, but now why don't you meet us halfway and put up $30 million? We'll engage the public, the half cutters, Rainforest Falls, and all our other friends and partners and alliances who want to be part of this. And let's do it in five to seven years. Let's officially buy back all these lots uh, and ensure Daintree National Park is uh, expanded. Um, and then the, the really important cultural significance of healing culture and the land can continue. So that, that for example, that means removing um, exotics, um, waste, dumping sites. Uh, there's, there's always a lot of work to be done. Um, so yeah, look, it's um, seven years. The reason just to touch on that note, we wish to do it, well, hopefully five, between five, five to seven years is ideal. Because unfortunately, uh, earlier this year, the Douglas Shire Council uh, with local residents uh, tried to get a bridge to connect into the Daintree, uh, over the Daintree River. And that really would have been catastrophic because it would have allowed uh, for people to access the Daintree quicker and faster, more speeding cars, uh, more cassowaries being hit by cars, more of the Daintree being lost. So our work uh, really, we're losing lots every single uh, week, day of the week. It's really sad, um, just either being outbidded or um, it was done privately. Um, you know, and these are the things that uh, we want to ensure we do it within the next five years because they can then, that's the cooling off period, to um, apply again to build this bridge. Um, and I mean, look, I just think it's crazy. I don't know if you've been to the Daintree and if you, anyone who's listening, it's like going to Jurassic Park for me. You know, you sort of get that feeling of crossing over, like you have like just a, an awesome feeling of going, oh, we're going into the world's oldest rainforest and all, you know, like, um, and look, sure, it's, um, you know, as, as the reason I'm touching that is because unfortunately it wasn't a landslide. Uh, it was around 66% of the constituents said no to the bridge uh, and the remaining constituents uh, said yes to a bridge. So, and that can change. So people can uh, be lobbied, uh, you know, for and against, um, you know, we had a, a great petition engagement with that as well. But again, we're not constituents, we're not locals to the Douglas Shire Council. Um, but that's the problem. That could shift 
uh, drastically and then before you know it there could be a bridge uh, which would just be uh, absurd a huge amount of money for a big concrete thing right so anyway so that's where we're at that's get the government made us halfway we'll get that half cutters activated um, I mean we nearly raised a million dollars during the August September half cut campaign so uh, if anything it's now like we double that and just keep on increasing increasing so um, and a pretty cool match give, giving target there as well absolutely Jimmy and I think we, we can all agree that with this climate crisis, there needs to be legislative change happening. And, you know, for this to occur, we need to, as consumers, start making an impact from a, a small level so that legislative change can occur. But uh, I'm really honoured at the work that you're doing and it's inspiring at the work that you're doing on the way moving forward to getting this legislative change happening. Yeah, I mean, look, I think... The reality is what we're giving is I like to refer to as little tangible, you know, awesome bits of, you know, awesome tangible nuggets, right? With each lot we save is a positive outcome. Um, is it an expensive outcome? Yes, it varies. But, you know, on average, it's $2.50 saving one square metre um, of the world dollars rainforest. So we do believe most people could chuck in $2.50. And that's ultimately where we're going with this campaign as well. So if the government were to put forward $30 million, we try and activate the Australian public and go, well, why don't you be part of this? Just $2.50. Obviously, there'll be wonderful people who donate more and have donated a lot more than just $2.50. Um, but then that's a, 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 an Australian pride national program to say, well, we bought it back. And it's a bit, it's a bit hard then for people who are pro-development and anti the work we're doing because it's like, well, this has been, uh, you know, the whole of Australia getting behind this. We know the importance of the Dane tree that it has for the Great Barrier Reef, which is, it is under threat. The fact that we've been given another two years is disgusting. The, the inaction on the Great Barrier Reef as well is under our watch. So with this, what we're doing is we're creating a positive ripple to show both uh, local, state and federal that, hey, look, you're being watched on this very heavily, uh, you know, across Australia and internationally. Um, and the reality is, like, they coexist. They're the only two World Heritage Areas in the world that are next to each other, the Daintree National Park and the Great Barrier Reef Marine Park, they coexist. Only, again, humans, we put them in boxes and segregate them into system. Um, so, really, it's um, the, the, the pressure that we're applying is a positive pressure. It's a disruptive pressure. Um, and ultimately, um, you know, sure, we can say this all, they'll, they'll be judged in, you know, history will judge them, you know, down the, down the track, but we're in a, it's crunch time right now. Like this next COP26, which I'm sure we'll chat about, um, you know, with the United Nations climate conference, it's, it's now or never, this is like the last dance. So, uh, and the very fact that this coalition government is not even turning up at this stage is just outrageous. Like we know there are, at the end of the day, what have they actually got to bring to the table? sweet FA, but that's your job. You're paid, our taxpayers pay you to turn up even if you are an embarrassment and you're owned by the National Party, um, you know, and the, the coal and gas industry. Uh, it's just pathetic how owned they really are. And I think the, the globe knows that. Uh, most constituents, I believe, know that. But at the end of the day, is that going to change Australians', Australians voting habits? So it's, it'll be um, quite interesting to see what happens. And uh, yes, across that in a general you know, both sides of the party need to really lift their game and do a hell of a lot better. Um, but Australians need to do a hell of a lot better. We've got to actually start pushing forward. Uh, and, you know, 
other great, good, brave people stepping up to be in Parliament because I'm pretty sure everyone could do a hell of a lot better job than the current mob we've got in. So anyway, um, it's at the end of the day, we can't just keep on blaming. Like we, we've got to look at ourselves and what are we doing at a, a local, state and federal um, level? Like what are, you, what are we doing? Enough of the whinging, enough of the complaining. You know, you as an individual step it up and then work and engage with your community because uh, that's where the empowerment really comes from. Beautifully said, Jimmy. And I know we're going to unpack our role as, as individuals on uh, grand scheme in, in the realm of politics a bit later on in the podcast. But just to paint the picture for, for the listeners at home, I'd love to know what was life like for, for Jimmy Halfcut growing up or before you were known as Jimmy Halfcut? <laughs> uh, yeah, mate. Um, look, I think my catalyst to, I think, the cheeky, disruptive, fellow that I am today, uh, definitely my mum, uh, incredible uh, conservationist and um, environmentalist slash uh, animal welfare protector um, advocate. Um, uh, look, like us all, I think we've all seen injustices to both wildlife, um, animals and our planet. Mine is a very young age of watching um, uh, my bushland being destroyed by a motorway. Um, and my mother was before the word was even a word was I guess the community organizer so I was, I was actually very privileged to have uh, traditional owners stay at our house tree sitters um, the community or coming for the meetings like I thought it was great like you know it was pizzas and you know little gatherings and but like you know from barristers and lawyers to teachers to nurses to you know um, just you know the, and our community it was quite incredible uh, and also Uncle Ray I'll never forget Uncle Ray who um was a Western Australian traditional owner and gave me the totem kookaburra, which uh, basically, you know, um, just go, 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 just never shut up, right? <laughs> just asking so many questions. And he was there because he was actually, it was an uh, Aboriginal burial site and a cave. And what did we do? What did, well, what happened? We, we built a road over the top of it, like, you know, kept it, the cave there, which is now just turned into a, a graffiti den zone. And it's, it's just shocking to, to say, but... He cursed the site as well, but so I'm not sure the site I'm referring to was the M2. So I think it was 1994 it started. I can't even remember. Yeah, 1994. I was a young eight, nine-year-old, um, but you know, witnessed it all, witnessed the protests, the arrests, the assaults to the community, um, the lies, like just unbelievable where the police were claiming <clears throat> that we were protesting. And these are the days before phones and mobiles where you could record this stuff. And uh, look, you know, I think as a young fellow watching my mum being dragged off by police uh, and the people I loved in my community, it was a bit of a chemical reaction. I didn't quite understand why this was happening when we were just trying to protect something so important. And I'll never forget um, the a huge tract of Sydney endemic blue gum trees, you know, three to 400, maybe even 500 years old, a big community, like 15 of them, right deep in the valley of where the road went straight through the guts of it. So with the M2, I think it's like a, a three or three, six lane, you know, freeway now. Um, yeah, right through the guts of it, right through the Devlin's Creek and all the rest of it. Um, and the, the day that that was in the Sydney Morning Herald, my brother, I think he was about four, looked like a little gum nut baby, you know, the gum nut book? Like one of those little <laughs> gum nut babies, just, you know, under this dwarfing massive trees, Sydney blue gums. And the very next day, they were uh, uh, pulled down by caterpillar bulldozers. So, yeah, and then just seeing that destruction, I just didn't comprehend it, especially growing up there and kicking about. Like, I loved it. It was like, you know, my little getaway. And, um, you know, and then even seeing dead wildlife, like possums and powerful owls. And, you know, it was, it was pretty full on. Um, and look, ever since then, I think it was just an injustice, mate. I think I was just like, 
how is this still happening? I saw the injustice to community. I saw the injustice to the you know the wildlife, the, the forests, um, you know the workers, the aggression from the workers. Um, so yeah, no, and it was just I think ever since then, mate, I think I've just been on this wagon of education empowerment. Actually, I came up with an acronym, mate. It's called Trees. So it's trust, respect, education, empowerment, success. So that's sort of my you know philosophy is tr as trees. Um, with everyone I work with, you know, if it's individuals to corporates to, you know, um, other organisations, you know, we work with and partner with. And I just kind of feel it's sort of, um, yeah, I like that. So uh, I think it's beautifully guess, fitting as well. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, look, you know, we're all, we're all our individual tree as well. Like, you know, no one's above, no one's below. It's, it's tree shyness. And that's actually a thing if you Google it or if anyone's to Google it. So no one's above, no one's below. It's just, you know, a beautiful canopy giving a little bit of space um you know to for us to work together and to share those tree branches so we share information and yeah you know, actually even what trees do with um mycelium where if one tree is a little bit sick they feed it with a, it's a, an incredible network underground and um yeah it's just that's honestly how i feel what well i feel we're actually very disconnected these days as a species um through technology even though it does play its positives and negatives but i just kind of feel you know, I, I, what I'm finding is there's all these incredible little trees pocketed around the world. And I'm really just, I would love to try and just branch us all together from other not-for-profits to individuals, to corporates um, you know, and businesses. It's like uh, we, we, we can, it's our choice to engage in tree shyness or not. So uh, I, I love all the trees. <laughs> I think it's, it's really evident in everything that you're doing that you're bleeding passion. And even from a young age, you're so passionate about the environment and, us as Western societies, we don't look, we don't often notice the impact that we're having until we're faced with hardship or something directly, you know, affects us. And I think it's, there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes to shelter us from actually seeing the, the true impact that's happening as individuals. Totally. Like, yeah, I mean, look at our media, you know, it's, most people don't know, but all of Queensland is owned by Rupert Murdoch. They don't get any other main form of media except for Murdoch. I mean, how is that even possible? You know, how do billionaires own the media if it's Facebook or, you know, Rupert Murdoch? It's just, it's staggering, really. So you, you, we, we talk about education. Well, they're not, with that TREES acronym I mentioned, well, they're missing the E in education. You know, they're, they're missing the E in, in empowerment, which is what it's all about, empower the individual with tools to make their own informed decisions, you know, critically thinking decisions. And then, you know, we get success for the environment and for businesses and for health and for everything else. So um, as you can see, there's very many multi-layers in that trees acronym. <laughs> I've, got to, I've actually got to make a, an infograph and just like break it down. So it's like, oh, oh okay, right. <laughs> I reckon this mind map will take up an A3 piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be universal, mate. It'll be endless. <laughs> no, beautifully said. Now, I'd love to sort of paint the picture on the impact that we're having um, as our Western society on the environment. Cause I think at the end, it will all tie together in the work that you're doing. I, I guess a basis to start off for the consumers at home is the word greenhouse gases. And we hear this being thrown around a lot within, you know, media. And I don't understand. I don't think we truly understand the magnitude of, of the word greenhouse gases and how our daily actions play a, a big role in, in the destruction of this planet. So I guess, Jimmy, would you be able to define greenhouse gases and, and where they're coming from in our Western society? Yeah, well, the reality is, is we, we all release greenhouse gases. Every single one of us burps, farts, 
Um, the planet itself releases greenhouse gases if it's volcanoes, um, you know, if it's unfortunately by the looks of things, permafrost melting, which is just going to be pretty significant. And, um, and, you know, and then we've, we've also got obviously all our animals. So we, at the end of the day, greenhouse gases is something we, we all contribute to. But unfortunately, um, with our you know, Western love for fossil fuels uh, and for meat, uh, predominantly, uh, you know, well, it's cattle, pork, you know, swine, um, sorry, duck, uh, sheep, you know, you name it. Um, you know, that we all, re they all release gases. Uh, I mean, and even our composting systems, you know, if, if our garbage systems, the methane that is being released because people aren't just generally composting. <laughs> it's just staggering. Like, um, and yet, you know, it's, it's, it's just a whole process is just so fundamentally broken at the moment um, that these greenhouse gas gases are driving global warming and climate change. And yes, the reality is it's um, uh, the need for these fossil fuels to you know, build, you know, and then cons you know, consumers and consumption, that's all part of it as well. I mean, look at the end of the day, look, sure, David Attenborough can say, you know, that we've got a human population issue. Yeah, we sure do. But then we also have, you know, a human, um, you know, it's like the new religion with consumerism and, you know, the waste and the need. I mean, like, I mean, just quickly going back to the animal side of things, the thing we have 70 billion owned animals, seven zero billion, 70 billion animals on this planet for human consumption. And there's only 9 billion of us nearly. We have, we have an eating issue. We are literally eating our planet to death because 80% of all global deforestation is due to animal agriculture. So it's like, well, if we can reduce the amount of meat we're eating, let alone the pain, the suffering and all the other horrendous stuff that goes with it, uh, you know, we really are going to bring down our methane gases astronom astronomically and our greenhouse gases astronomically. Um, Jimmy, I'll just stop you there. Sorry, just to paint a, a picture there for people. This might seem like a, a silly question, but why do we need mm. to cut down trees to let animals graze? Like, why does that happen? Well, it's the land value. So most of these animals need either to graze uh, or some of them are done hugely and practically uh, where they're stuck in smaller um acres or hectares or you know 100 cattle per hectare or something is you know just not sustainable but then it's the feed so this feed if it's soy if it's you know wheat if it's um loosen you name it is we're actually making products that aren't even human can't even humans can't con even consume them uh but it's for this livestock and sometimes even food that they shouldn't be eating for example corn um, for cattle is like a new one, um, which is just creating, you know, it's just, it's not meant to be in their diet. So the reality is it's cutting down this land to grow the crops, uh, to feed these animals that then we then consume uh, and or as of late uh, end up on a, you know, a shelf and a shopping centre and it's fine packed up plastic crap and it ends up in waste because it doesn't get purchased in time, you know. And this is it's there's just the system is fundamentally broken uh, from you know the energy that's taken to well the, the destruction first off for the forests, yeah, uh, and the destruction to soils to the water that's required to the methanes that's released to the transportation to the slaughtering and then transportation again. There is just nothing, and then if it doesn't get consumed, ending up in waste. Um, it, it truly is quite a um, a staggering flawed system and look i think i'd be i'll be really really interested to see 
what actually happens at COP26 coming. So um, the conferences of parties, crap name, I think. That's a cop out. <laughs> uh, conferences of parties and, of course, Australian, Australian governors and turning up. But, um, yeah, so for the United Nations Climate Conference, if this is on one of their main agendas, uh, which, you know, looking at it, um, uh, I'm, I'm still skimmed through and haven't really seen that really take on animal agriculture. Um, it's, it's, I think it's a cop out, to be honest. If that's not front and centre for, uh, you know, in short, the veganism movement and plant base has taken off and it's a 700% increase since 2017, which is all great news. But, you know, there almost needs to be, in my opinion, legislation put in place that, um, you know, gives benefits uh, or tax deductions to individuals who are eating less meat, who do have more trees on their property and are providing wildlife corridors or habitat. Um, like, I just kind of feel the system's got to be changed in a way where that individual doesn't feel like, oh, well, it's, it's always on the government. We as individuals need to go, okay, well, no, I'm taking that choice because I know it's going to, you know, reduce my carbon footprint, you know, re reduce uh, further, you know, clear felling and trees being cut down. Um, I just kind of feel like we, we, it is so mega at the moment and it's so complex and so many issues that we as individuals, yes, we need massive government change, but, you know, if there's incentivization there, you know, there's going to be people who will jump on that if they can then prove, you know, and then the health benefits, as we know. Um, and, yeah, sure, there is people who, yes, do still need meat in their diet and, you know, um, it's it's a work in progress. But even just reducing half is going to have a, a mega impact. And then, you know, you, you might even find out you reduce even more and more and more. So, um, yeah, it's it's. I feel if it's not on COP26, it's a complete cop-out. I think we've been so disconnected and you touched on it before we've been so disconnected with the processes like from the animal agricultural industry we we are disconnected with the actual process of how the food gets from factory to our plate and we don't want to know what happens behind closed doors all we want to know is go and pick up this neat packaged item from the supermarket shelves and and once we yeah. start to shed light on it it's like i'm not that'll put me off my food but i think this it's much bigger than that and at the moment, it's like our, our whole planet depends on it. I remember their climate, um, was it the climate conference not too long ago, a couple of months ago, they they were trying to aim to reduce emissions by 2050 and, and we're behind our our target. And I think if there's no uh, Australia, better time, Australia, good luck. We'll be 20, uh, 2,300 at this stage. <laughs> oh, that's actually the shocking facts. <laughs> at this rate, this joke that, oh, we're going for 2050 net, you know, net zero. It's not going to happen. It's a complete. It's BS. All of it's BS. But um, yeah, I know. I know what you're referring to there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, like, if there's no more incentive to make change, it's our planet depends on it. Like, regardless of money or or anything like that. Like, if we don't have the incentive to live on this planet, there's nothing else. You know. Yeah. And look, I, I look. I'm, I get very tired of people saying, "I know we're stuffed, so I'm going to do nothing." Right, then why even go work? Why do you know, why do anything? Right, I, I'm very big on optimism and um, you know tangible disruptive action. You know that is the way forward in in my opinion. If you if you're like oh no, it's I know it's stuff. I'm going to do nothing. Well, you're part of the problem. You know if you if you know it's wrong and you know it's not right and you're sitting on your hands. Well, I'm sorry, like you're a cop out too. Uh, there's no other way around this anymore. Like we, we, as I was saying before, this is the last dance. No one wins in this, and there is, you know, there's no winner with a mass extinction. 
And uh, honestly, like people, I, I, I get furious. And sorry, you, you're getting a bit of the Jimmy rage. I, like I was a furious young bloke for a long, long time and I knew it didn't really get me anywhere. But then I became curious after going half cut and making that statement that half the world's forests were gone. And that was the sort of the catalyst for change personally for me. But I think really, you know, what's going to happen, what's really, really, really got to happen now is individuals um, trying to find a little bit more of the optimism. And yes, it's tricky when we're going through a pandemic and we're seeing the horrendous droughts and we're seeing the horrendous fires. And yeah, that's what I was saying. What I was furious about, like I'm furious how there's action once the disasters happen. Yeah. You know, flip that. We've got to stop putting the band, you know, stop putting a band-aid on it. We we knew this was a, a, an oncoming issue. This the governments knew this was an oncoming issue and they did nothing. You know, where again, where is the outrage? And you know, again, if 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 this Australian government gets re-elected back in, this current one, I then that's when I just go, well, these Australians really, you get what you deserve because the inaction is there. And then you did have another flip side of the government, not to say they were perfect, you know, they never are, or they've got, you know. But at least they had other models in place that would have been beneficial uh, and progressive rather than coal and gas uh, and and petroleum. Um, So, yeah, I think, yeah, I just kind of, you know, and again, like looking at and just referring back to the the bushfires, I was chatting with a friend about this the other day and, you know, the amount of money that was raised for the bushfire relief, which I think from my understanding still can't even be, allocated or spent because it's gone to um uh to rfs and at this stage again that money could have been generated into further renewables it could have been put into further buyback and restoration um predominantly our restorations focus on rainforest species because again rainforest cooler temperatures more rain cooler climate uh quickly three to five years you've got an established canopy food habitat for wildlife um you know i just kind of feel where these fires were at it actually slowed and halted some of the fires which is incredible so why aren't we as part of our resilience strategy along the whole eastern seaboard of australia where there is rainforest daintree atherton tablelands big scrub rainforest and byron bay why aren't we trying to develop an incredible corridor and create further microclimates and provide more rain you know, um, that that rain can then hopefully jump over the Great Dividing Range as well and then support, you know, other potential farms. And this is where these farmers then do need to come in and be part of regenerative agriculture because they just can't have it both ways. You can't go out there and go, oh, look, you know, I'll fight against coal and gas, but don't tell me then what to do on my land. Don't tell me I can't clear and cut down these trees. And I, look, I can openly say this because, you know, um, actually this is one a lot of people don't know. I actually trained uh, as a PE teacher, health teacher, and I ended up teaching science agriculture um for a couple of years three years i think it was in the end but it was all hydroponics aquaponics uh native bees european bees and all the rest of it um and again just going back to people you mentioned before matt if people only understood how much energy that goes into all of this people would have such a appreciation for food but they don't they just see it in shelves they see it in nice fine packaged stuff and go oh you beauty if they really understood just you know the work that goes you know um it's huge. Um, and then the waste, another whole thing altogether. But sorry, mate, coming back full circle there with what I was saying before was, um, you know, I just kind of feel, yeah, it's, we've got to stop that mentality of trying to deal with a crisis once it's there. It's, you know, it's um, because when this 
we're, I mean, we had a tornado, didn't we, yesterday? Was, did you, was that in the news, I think, yesterday? There was a tornado ripping through somewhere. And look, he's <laughs> getting to the point, you go, you go, what's next? I did uh, read that. A, Melbourne had an earthquake yeah. last week. So we're like, oh. it's all fun and games at the moment. We're laughing about it. Oh, Melbourne never gets earthquakes. We never get tornadoes. But like, this is as a result of, of our climate crisis. Oh, 100%. And look, let's be honest, right? Like, regardless of what happens, you know, when it comes out with this COVID-19, you know, it is a human-made issue. If it is due to the impacts of animals or if it was made in a lab, you know, what, you know, I guess we'll, we'll find out at some stage. But the, the shocking thing where I'm even at with this is look how we've handled this pandemic. And what I mean by that is what I'm reading from the, the professors and, you know, people in the, who've been doing this for 50 years are saying, well, you know, what happened? Look, what's going to happen when we've got several pandemics at once? Because this is what is coming with further deforestation with further impacts on our wildlife. Um, you know, that is what I find quite frightening as well. Like, apart from, hey, we're going to have more intense fires, more intense lightning storms, floods, earthquakes, tornadoes, cyclones, you know. Um, it's just like, uh, and look, I know it can become very overwhelming. I know it is overwhelming for people. And they're sort of like, well, you know, um, how do you just keep on keeping at it? And I'm like, well, you keep on at it because the solutions are here. It's not like they're not there. Yeah, we've just got to implement them yesterday. Like, we, it needs to be a world war approach on climate, um, or just similarly how we've done it with COVID nineteen. I think if we use COVID nineteen as a case study, it shows we can do it. If we're forced to go into lockdowns for the health of ourselves, why aren't we doing this for the health of all future generations and really finally addressing this global climate emergency? Because at the end of the day, there's no winners in this. And it's, um, again, lots of people need to be held accountable for this with media, with people. And you, again, you always trace the money. You trace the money and you see who's involved with what. You trace the money for what, you know, corporations are giving it to governments uh, for, for lobbying and, you know, to get them re-elected. It's, it's, it's catastrophic. You know, it's, it's mega. And, um this is where I think, you know, I just really hope, again, going back to that TREES acronym, you know, education, empowerment, success, well, we can do that. Um, again, hopefully more people getting educated and empowered and, you know, thinking critically, not just one one way. Like, look at, look at the other side. You might not want to touch it. Be a critical thinker. You know, what do you got to lose? You're only going to, you know, potentially benefit your own brain cells, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I think diving a little bit deeper into the impact that COVID-19 had and, and our response as a globe. Like mm. we saw that we can make catastrophic change like extremely fast when we put our minds. So we have some of the most incredible minds in the world, like working together to, to create these changes. If we can channel that in the right direction, who knows the impact that we could have. I know at the start of the pandemic last year, we saw some environmental relief let's use that as a term we saw the Ven the canals in venice start to clear out dolphins floating through them we saw the air quality in india that is usually polluted become a bit clearer do you think that covid19 has had a positive or a negative effect on our climate crisis oh well look i think if anything it's just really highlighted the the absolute pollution and damage we're doing to our beautiful planet we all call home like it's evident it just shows when we had to stop um that short period of time just the healing that occurred unfortunately global temperatures were still increasing because of the amount of carbon in our atmosphere and also methane and greenhouse gases like we are 
going to hit 1.5 and go beyond it. Um, yeah, and that's the thing. We need to make sure we don't go beyond 1.5 because then it gets really tipping point catastrophic. And look, sure, people would argue we're already at tipping points and call it a day. But, you know, um, if we can't look at it that way. And I think the, the really interesting thing to look at this is if we listen to the scientists, majority of the population globally, to the science and um, we, we then must and have to listen to the science with the climate crisis. But it's almost like it's non-debatable now. Like you, you literally, yeah, sure, you're going to have those that aren't, don't you know, believe the planet's still flat and it's a donut or whatever. Um, you know, good, good luck to them. You know, it makes the world an interesting place having these folks. But is it all, you know, there is also other implications. Um, but I just kind of feel it's now. It, it really is now. It's total crunch time. And it just shows what we, the impacts we can have. And look, sure, apart from being in lockdown and, being a little bit isolated, but, you know, we've got the technology to still communicate. And, yes, it gets tiresome and we all get over it. And wouldn't we just, like, you know, go and hug your family, friends, whatever, um, you know, but I just kind of feel, personally, and I know this sounds a bit flat and a bit, you know, doom and gloom, but really this is just the warm-up. We're kidding ourselves if we don't think it is. We, you know, if you're not really wanting to step and pull your socks up, if your mindset's right, I can't wait to get out there and woo, bring it on, you know, me, me, me. I just kind of, sorry, I'm small then, but I just kind of feel, you know, it, we've got to step it up like there is no tomorrow, but in a biteable, tangible, you know, way. And as I said, when the solutions are there, and when I talk about the solutions where you could bloody divest, and I know we'll go into that. So when you, you can divest and I'll we'll explain that a bit later, or if you can, help us with Daintree buyback or help us with restoration or go meat free or, you know, um, get on your bike. And, you know, you can only go 5Ks at the moment for most people, but, you know, I've loved it. I've found new things I never knew, nooks and crannies and, you know, taking the dogs for walks and all the rest of it. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I just kind of feel uh, – and, look, there is so much obviously more like plastics, consumerism, you know, all the rest of it. Um, you know, I just feel if we're not going to step – this is our time to step it up. If we don't step it up, well, then we're blaming ourselves to blame. Yeah, beautifully said. And I think like all doom and gloom aside, we're at crisis point now. So we need to start arming people with the exact facts because there's no more sugarcoating this anymore. Like it's it's now or never, as you said before. I think, yeah. Jimmy, like we as as humans have such a big impact when we, we put our minds to it and the education around the the solutions is already there like we already know what we're doing and i think the most important part of having this conversation is we're empowering and educating like the trees acronym that you said to work towards that success point and and you know creating Hashtag better... trees mate we'll get it we're getting it on t-shirts Hashtag trees. <laughs> i love it oh um i'll definitely I'll send you one mate you'll, yeah. you'll be the first, you'll one of the first orders <laughs> no so good so good and i think as humans the impact that we can have like you just said we're, we're going to dive into those those impacts that we can have. And I think there's no better time in the conversation to start talking about the impact that we can have by leaving meat off our plate and, you know, going plastic free, all of those things, they make a, a big impact. But if we can all band together and start doing a little 1% each time, that creates massive impact. It's not about five people going all in. It's about 6 billion people going 1% of the time. And that's how we make great impact. Yeah. I mean, look, and I'll, I'll quickly go back to that divestment. So divestment for folk that don't know what it is, it's it's divesting from a bank or a super 
So superannuation or electricity provider that does invest in fossil fuels, uh, animal agriculture, deforestation, you know, tobacco, um, and you know, all the rest of the other nasties. So divestment, so you know, basically um, it's a service, it's a provider that you know, we all have, like I'm sure most people listening will have a bank account, they have an electricity provider and they have superannuation. So why would you not in 15 minutes or less, that's the, the average time we've found to start the process uh, and even quicker in some instances, um, you know, engage in divestment. So divesting away from fossil fuels, away from animal agriculture, away from deforestation. Um, so that's Jimmy, one thing for that, people that don't understand what happens when we put our money into the bank or put our money into a superannuation, yeah. these these companies are, are then investing this their our money into projects yeah. like Jimmy was just saying before. So this is what's so, happening. Yeah, it doesn't just sit in a big pile. Like people at the banks yeah. and the supers are investing in in these companies that are pro fossil fuels and all those other things before. So divesting is just changing the way the banks are investing their money. Is that correct? Correct. So you'd, you'd rather, for me personally, I'd rather know that my money's being invested in renewables or it's being invested in mock meats. Um, so, you know, uh, non-meat uh, products. Um, if it's, you know, sure, genetically, or if it's uh, plant-based, you know, the, there's all different varieties at the moment. Um, you know, if it's investing in, you know, startup technology um, and apps and software that actually are trying to provide metrics for reducing both individual carbon footprints to businesses, to corporates, um, you know, the list literally goes on. And that's, that's, that's the progressive way forward is, you know, um, to ensure we're doing this that way. Um, and look, you know, uh, shout out again for um, our partners who uh, we believe are leading in this area. So Bank Australia, um, you know, incredible. Uh, they call it the People's Bank. I call it the Planet's Bank, to be honest. I'm waiting for them to take that. Um, you know, they've raised a staggering, you know, nearly $300,000 in the half cut campaign. Um, they raised, I think, $150,000 last year. Their community, not the bank, the community. Um, the bank was great with some match giving um, up front, which is brilliant. So Bank Australia, and look, uh, I will go into that later on where we've got a November campaign during COP26, um, the conferences of parties, the United Nations Climate um, Climate Council, Climate Council. <laughs> Friday stuff up there, United <laughs> Nations Climate Summit, um, where basically this is what we're encouraging people to do during this time, rather than just sitting back and you know, you know, watching what the governments are doing. You as an individual in 15 minutes can start, you know, to uh, engage in divestment. So the other ones are electricity and over community energy. Um, the uh, the first owned uh, community renewable energy provider. Um, which is all green energy, which is incredible. Sadly, they're not in Melbourne yet. They're getting there. It's uh, New South Wales and Queensland. But, you know, there's other, other um, you know, power shop is probably your next step down. Um, you know, and other, we're not working with them yet. We'd love to. So we're going to reach out to them and then uh, make your mark super. So then you guys on the block, but um, yeah, really leading the way I personally feel um, with divestment because you actually get to see what, uh, you get reports on what they're investing in. So that if you're an you know if you're a switched on person, as we know with banks, it's pointless putting your money in the bank at the moment because there's no interest. But if you're looking at who they're investing in, you might get a bit of a portfolio and think about putting your own shares into some of these other um, part, you know, companies that you ethically want to see do well. So the you know unfortunately money rules the world. It's um, it is what it is. Uh, unfortunately, it's a system. I don't know how you know, it may. Yeah. 
with further climate crisis emergencies, it might collapse that way or the next GFC, global financial crisis, whenever that next one will be. But at the moment, this is just where things are at. It's, I'd rather know with divestment, you're investing in the good stuff, not the nasty stuff, because um, 15 minutes, like, it's, not a, it's not a big chunk of your time to engage in that. So in November, it's called the triple switch for Earth. That's when we do this campaign um, where we'll be encouraging all our half cutters, all our friends, all our supporters, family, all the rest of it to really engage in this, to divest your bank, to strip electricity. Uh, and then on top of that, we've got other wonderful ethical, more ethical products you can, if you are going to consume, you can consume, um, which are B certified and or with 1% for the planet. So that's a, another little exciting thing there. So, you know, even from, you know, uh, ethical dog food products, and I know some people go, well, there's no such thing. It's like, well, yeah, again, yes, um, these incredible creatures are here, um, you know, and as we know, personally, even for myself, thank gosh for dogs during lockdown. <laughs> like, they were my best mates. Um, Second you know, uh, with my, I mean, this is the thing, right? Like, we've got to draw a line, and this is where I do say to people, look, nothing is perfect. You know, perfect is the enemy of the good. Let's meet halfway here. If you're going to be buying a product, make sure that you raise the bar and it's B certified. They might, so for example, um, Serious Scratch, Serious Good Dog Food. I think they're based in Melbourne as well, those good folks. Um, you know, every product sold, they're establishing rainforest trees with us um, or saving danger rainforest. So, and, you know, got that from plenty of other, uh, you'll see here wearing the Mighty Citizen Wolf uh, with their half cut T-shirt they came up with us. You know, it's <laughs> organic. It. Yeah, you know, but it's 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 fair income, yeah, ethical fashion. It's not fast, you know. It's all, you know, you, to lot to last. If I get a hole in it, I send it back to them. Not that that's happened yet. Um, I'm trying to get a hole in it. Tree planting, <laughs> you know, where they, you know, send it back and it's fair wages because that's the thing. If it's not fair wages and it's you know you, the ethics aren't there anyway and. Um, these guys are already carbon neutral, if not negative. So either way, the, the triple switch program in November, as I said, if um, you know uh, our half cut campaign isn't for you, um, which we do in August, where we encourage people to cut their hair or braid or um, colour or eat half a tub of Ben and Jerry's ice cream for 31 days. <laughs> That's how we got them as a sponsor, right? Incredible. A half cut, eating half Incredible. a tub of Ben. Oh, mate, nuts, right? <laughs> But it was, again, the power of one individual, what they're able to achieve and their creativity. Actually, I'll quickly say on that one, I think the, the, the highlight for going half cut was the, the, the fella, James, who uh, his son, his eight-year-old son raised $2,000. And he then had to, the, the trade-off was if he reached that target, he had to go and mow the lawn and his budgie smugglers um, <laughs> and shave half his chest. It was awesome. But yeah, I mean, like, what a dad. But they'll be talking about that for years to come. And that's, I think, this, this, the storytelling. It's the continuation of storytelling, which is what's so wonderful. Uh, and that's what Auntie Lynn, um, the Jabal Bina chairwoman and traditional owner of the Barma mob um, up in the in the Daintree, she always says, she said, no, you mob, you uh, you help us with the continuation of storytelling, which is just you know, wonderful because we never really thought of it that way. We more set out because, you know, I'm a white privileged male, heterosexual i feel like you know it's my by right i should be doing everything to give back um you know with the privilege how privileged i've been with education family and all the rest of it this is the very least uh what i can do uh and it is the way i see it um but yeah it's just it's it's just wonderful to know that all these folk doing you know divestment doing the half cut campaigns um you know we are supporting a continuation of storytelling which um yeah, it's. I feel quite uh, privileged and honoured to be part of that. 
Yeah, beautifully said, Jimmy. And I think there's a few parts of that that I want to unpack a little bit further. But sure, diving, diving, sorry, diving, mate, you know me. I'll, I'll go off into many different branches. You've got to wrangle me back in. No, nah, absolutely love it. I think that's where the hidden <laughs> gems of conversation are, mate. The beauty of podcasting, <laughs> hey? <laughs> yeah, Jimmy, yeah. You, you mentioned the, we've mentioned half cut a few times in this podcast and people would know half cut as just rolling around with half a beard or, or braided hair or colored hair. Talk to us a little bit about why it is, you know, so crucial and why it has such an impact, only shaving half your beard. It's more about conversation, am I right? Totally, mate. Look, it's the total visual disruption, right? We're visual folk. You look at someone like that and you go, what the, what's that bloke playing at? What, what's going on? You know, you can't help yourself. Like, actually, it's twofold. You get people who run a mile. It's like, Jesus Christ, this is like, what's the plot? So you get, you get the runners. So it's not <laughs> the fight or flight. And then you get the, the fight ones in a positive way going, mate, what are you playing at? You lose a bet. And uh, you've, you've won them over, you know, because you're not giving them a fly. You're not in their face. They've come to you to ask a question. And it's just literally as simple as saying, look, you know, yeah, look, half the world's forests are destroyed. Uh, it's a conservation charity uh, protecting the world's oldest rainforest and engaging in massive rainforest restoration. And most people go, what? I had no idea, mate. Half the world's forests are cut down. It's like, yeah. It's, it's like, and look, it, it's more. That's what's more shocking about this. It's actually half of the world's forest gone uh, and a further 30% has been degraded. But the hopes are we can get on with uh, major restoration and support these ecosystems back into being healthy. Um, and, you know, it wouldn't be much of a campaign walking around with a sideburn, right? And I don't see much optimism in that. So I kind of look at it and go, we can, I believe we can get our collective acts together uh, when the shit hits the fan, COVID-19 being an example of that. Um, so I do feel we can get our collective acts together for restoration and further protection. Um, and look, if anything, yeah, it, it <laughs> for the half cutters, I mean, it's just, you got to remember, I've got this for five years now, so I don't even, I forget. <laughs> um, it's just, you know, sort of permanent groundhog day every day, but a badge of honor and love it. And it's just, it's made all the difference personally for me, for my mental health, for, uh, you know, meeting other incredible people where I'm now hearing their storytelling and can relate. And there's other ones I've never heard. So it's just, it's just, it's just great to see that everyone's got their own style and gem. And that's what it's about. We don't need anyone to copy. It's not even about that. It's about you making your mark. And we've seen so many people just, you know, continue it on, which is completely my hat off to them. Because honestly, there's been moments I thought, oh, I could take this off a bloody well wood. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, uh, in saying that, no, it, it, I probably even wouldn't. It's um, it's as I said, it's it's beyond crunch time um, for all things, and um, if it can be the awesome icebreaker to start a conversation, and I think that's the thing. If we go in with a laugh and you know a bit of a cheekiness to it, you know, we always know laughter wins people over. People being shouted at, people you know, conflict. You know, it's got its place, sure um for you know uh, positive conflict and conversation but if you can do it in a way where it's like well look you know this is why we're doing it for this is the outcome this is the tangibility this is then also what we're doing with traditional owners and expanding the world's oldest rainforest i mean the way i personally look at this, this is a beautiful blueprint you just don't stop so once the dane tree is protected in the next five years uh, the, the lowland dane tree you know uh, we're already doing restoration like we've already planted over eighty-seven thousand trees in australia rainforest species um, you know, we're, we're in commons with Black Duck Foods with the wonderful Bruce Pascoe with the native grasses and our native grasses have such an important aspect to play uh, in our in Indigenous history and trade and economics and women's song lines, um, you know, to mangrove systems. I mean, nearly half the world's mangrove systems are bloody gone. Two thirds of the world's fisheries start in these mangrove systems, you know, and 
Um, yeah, so it, it actually doesn't end with the halves. That's the other thing. Half the Great Barrier Reef dead, half of our glaciers are melted, half of the Arctic's melted. You know, it's um, the beginning. It, mate, we've got half a chance of getting this right at the moment, right? Just flip a coin, heads, oh, we're going to get this right, or oh, tails, oh, shit. Well, we know how the Titanic ended, right? So <laughs> <laughs> it's um, that's sort of where ultimately we're looking at this is, you know, unfortunately, we are on the Titanic. It's, um, and actually, a lot of people don't know this, but you can all Google it. The Titanic was actually on fire before it left Ireland. They had a, how fitting is this? A whole coal uh, hub um, or part of the, the, the Titanic was a coal section because that was what, you know, chugged it along and it caught on fire. And so it was on fire before, so it left uh, Ireland, got to England and it was, it was burning. The thing was already on fire. So that's the, that's the metaphor for our current, we're, the, we're on fire, right? We're already on the Titanic and it's on fire. And because it was going at the speed and sure there was other things in the iceberg, but it had a weaker, uh, I think it was the starboard or the port or whatever side it was. It, it would basically just kind of came open like a can opener, just, it just split it open. So go and look it up. Like it is fair income. And that's, I guess where I'm at. Like the Titanic is at the port of England and that's where we are right now. I believe as a species, we've got to put that fire out now and not let it take off. Cause if we take off, you know, and if that, we already know how that's ended. So I know that sounds a bit, Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> but honestly, it's worth looking up. It's worth looking up um, the, the latest history of what actually happened with the Titanic and had it not been on fire from um, the coal, you know, combusting and taking off, it might never, might never have sunk. So, um, but yeah, anyway, that's how I, think I look at it. that's a fitting analogy as well. It's, yeah, it's perfect, you know. Well, I think people get it. I think people go, yeah, let's keep, let's, let's put the fire out and get that done now uh, while we're in port, not while we're all out. In uh, sea with uh, sea levels rising and everything else, right? So anyway, yeah, it's um, it's remarkable. And just bringing it back to the half cut, I knew to, I've obviously followed your your work for a number of years and listened to a heap of podcasts, particularly with Simon Simon Hill on Plant Proof. Um, listened to him about three times yesterday, trying to <laughs> get the get the conversation right. flowing. Um, but yep. I knew it was time to make contact with you when I was on Instagram, and I saw a dude treating someone for rehabilitation in a, in a hospital ward and he had half his hair dyed. And I'm like, it's time to get in contact with Jimmy Halfgut. <laughs> <laughs> See, I didn't even know that. That's incredible. So Unbelievable. yeah. And look, I think it's, um, look, I think of anything, all you ever want to do when you set off to do something is just let other people champion it. Like I go back to that trees ac acronym, like they're, they're now the educators. They're now empowering other people that then drive the success for us to get the, the job done. Um, you know, we've got to turn away from looking at individuals to governments, to corporates being our leaders. We're all our own bloody leader, right? We're all here. I mean, we're, we're one out of 1 billion sperm that made it, you know, we're, we're the winner. So we might as well look at it that way and go, well, what's my going to be, what's going to be my long lasting impact or, you know, my, what, what's going to be my mark left? Is it going to be all about me and all about, you know, I mean, look, honestly, man, I'm at the point I want to try and be a carbon neutral negative man, you know, and, and track that. And then because there's no such thing right now as a carbon neutral negative person. But if it means that, you know, I can track my carbon footprint weekly, monthly, quarterly, and it means I've got to establish X amount of rainforest trees to absorb my carbon over my lifetime, I'm going to do it. So that's it's another little exciting thing we're releasing. So, yeah, we'll keep you tuned on that one. But I, I think that's, a you know, I want that on my totem. Trees, carbon neutral man, or carbon negative, right? Um, 
Tombstone, sorry, what do I say? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, uh, but at the same time, like, you know, um, it's, yeah, like, oh, I think there is so many good people on this earth who do want to do good and see good and protect our nature from, you know, people of all walks of life. Like, you know, I'm very open to chatting to everyone and anyone about what they do and what it's about because you learn from them. Like, you know, you Definitely. hear what's holding them back and why they're caught in certain industries. Um, and look, at the end of the day, I'm yet to meet someone who goes, mate, I don't love nature. Like, you go on a holiday, you're not going to a, a tip or you're not going to a cattle ranch of clearing or slash and burn or, um, you know, we all enjoy the natural, wonderful environment. And that's where I always just find that so funny where, we're willing to go in and appreciate her and enjoy her and get our benefits and healing and needs, yet we're not yet willing to step up and protect wild places and engage in mass restoration and change our habits and behaviour. So it's an interesting one. I think it's, again, just um, trying to get those little like load moments for individuals because you get that, you get the individual making the like load moment where it touches their heart, it'll then touch their mind or touch their mind, touch their heart. I think that's that's how we get um, serious um, progress, positive progress. Definitely, Jimmy, beautifully said. I think for the listeners at home, we've, we've painted a great picture about what half cut is, but I'd love to talk a little bit about what half cut does and how people can, mm. you know, make an impact for this wonderful charity. Yeah, so look, um, we kicked off in 2014. So it was quite a while ago looking back at it now. Um, But like anything, like we change, we evolve because we had to evolve. Um, So we were very male dominant about beards. So it was beards on for conservation and we were doing tree planting with land care and uh, we're supporting Bob Brown Foundation. Like we were literally just raising funds for other incredible charities. And that's ultimately what we want to still continue to do long-term for individuals to pick something they're passionate about locally or globally and we you go half cut to raise those funds for those projects um but yeah so um we we actually ended up in 2019 uh partnering with uh, a huge conservation charity in the u.s rainforest trust um where we ended up protecting and again a small cog in that protection six million acres of amazonian uh, peru rainforest so we ended up raising $235,000, uh, which was sort of our first half-cut program. Like we're doing beards on, we're doing braids on. So you can sort of see the links and how it evolved. And then we went, right, we're going half-cut, got to the point, media liked it, people liked it. It was just, you know, it was an easier. And as I said, it wasn't just beard and hair and whatever. It was clothes, it was food, it was baking, it was mowing half a lawn. <laughs> uh, dogs, actually, dogs are being introduced. No harm to dogs. It was just giving them a haircut or, you know, uh, um, an eco-friendly dye or hairspray, you know. So, uh, yeah, just keeping it lighthearted. Um, yeah, so basically from that then, obviously, we had the horrendous fires and uh, the Dane Tree we'd also been supporting in small little pockets with different groups and charities with tree planting. And then we kind of went, look, you know what? We, we really, um, and we started relationships with Jabalbina. And we went, look, let's really um, make our mark on the Dane Tree. It's a well-dollished rainforest. It's accessible. Our half-cutters can go and see what they've saved. They can plant the trees. They can meet the Barmer mob. They can have a cultural, rich experience. Um, and again, come back being storytellers. Come back and talk to family and friends and say, hey, look, I went to the well-dollished rainforest and saw a cassowary and did this or did that. And, you know, um, again, it's back to that trees acronym. You know, they're educating, they're empowering. They're, and that's building success further again because, you know, then that individual might not have ever heard of us, which is 
you know, we're still a, <laughs> a small fry compared to the big guys. Uh, but it's nice that the big guys actually want to work with us. <laughs> like, they're like, can we do the hub? It's like, yes, well, bring it on. Like, I mean, the, the dream is to be a Movember, uh, not the dream, we're going to be the Movember for the environment, you know, a charity that's turned over a billion dollars in 18 years of operation. We have to do the same, you know, just for the outcomes we can produce, the green jobs we can produce, you know, uh, supporting traditional owners as well with, um, you know, restoration, healing of country, you know, um, again, it's still run by money. It's just what it is. But, and then, and then I think that's the other thing, right? Like the amount of money on this planet, my gosh, when we got these bloody billionaires pissing off in their dick rocket ships, you know, and out of space, you know, three or four of them at one time, it's, you know, $26 billion, like flip that. It's, I just think it's, I mean, sorry, I'm, I'm getting on the Jimmy Halfcut rage again. I'm like that little... I just can't, I just think, I, 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 look, I understand that it does and has developed and created, you know, wonderful breakthroughs in you know, modern medicines and um, uh, not ultrasounds. What's the um, uh, CAT scan machine? Forgotten the one, the name of that. Anyway, um, it, but it has its place. I get that. But I just kind of feel right now like that the, the pool of engagement that really needs to be thrown into this um, current planet is really what's needed um but yeah so sorry half cut and whole that's what we're doing it's dang we we, we want to um get as many people and if this half cut's not your thing you can do restoration and tree planting actually mate we've got a fitness challenge coming up in march so we um the fitness challenge is the pss challenge push up sit up squats so that's to rewild your health to rewild the earth's rainforests i love so it so the yeah, the World Economic Forum said, look, we've got to plant a trillion trees in the next 30 years to absorb the last 30 years of our carbon emissions. Um, if we don't do that, we're basically not going to keep below the 1.5 uh, degrees global temperatures. Um, so this is a really, yeah, couple of push-ups, couple of sit-ups, couple of squats, no worries. Do it anywhere. Um, look, sure, and if you can't do that, it's, it's you know, well-being. Do other forms of exercise. But the idea of this is, again, working as you as an individual, taking pride in putting some carbon credits back into the earth, um, you know, providing further water cycles or adding to water cycles, um, you know, habitat for wildlife. I mean, and that's the thing, right? All of this stuff is a rocket science and we've got the results. But the amount of projects we've done where we've planted these trees as saplings or wildlings, which is like taking a shooting that would probably never really grow into potential because of the canopy and relocating it people debate on that if it's ethical and whatever at the end of the day it's like well look it's it's going to grow right um so uh the results are just incredible and it's that's what's so exciting about rainforest and the fact that the planet only once had 14 percent of rainforest covering the earth and we're now down to an abysmal three percent i mean come on like what are we doing and again that goes back to our food and what we're eating and yes palm oil and the debate with palm oil as well, because palm oil, yes, it is the most sustainable of the oils out there, but what's happening is again, too many humans and too many people looking at the dollars involved and cutting down huge swaths of virgin rainforest in Sumatra and Borneo and the list goes on. And if anything, um, we've actually got an incredible program where we're actually cutting down a hundred thousand hectares of palm oil that have entroached into national parks in Sumatra and we're restoring it, um, which is a great, you know, outcome um, that the corporation is allowing us to do that. Uh, and again, we just now need to ensure that we build the partnerships, relationships with ongoing people and traditional owners on the ground that will ensure that in 10 years time, that doesn't get cut down again. And it's a you know, self, you know, it happens all over again, because that's not a good outcome. We want to ensure it's in permanence. Um, so yeah, and I think that's the thing, right? Like it's, 
I think trying to just find ways that get people kicking or get them engaged um, and across a broad demographic of all cultures, all ages, all sexes, um, and, and, and also on top of that, integrating new food systems. So reintroducing bush tucker systems as well. Um, I, I briefly touched on that. So we're doing that in the Daintree, which is pretty incredible. This will be a landmark event. Um, where we're restoring 70,000 hectares of both biodiversity rainforest carbon credits and native bush tucker foods. Um, so this is going to be pretty exciting and then we're going to replicate that. So it's going to, going to be done another part of the Daintree or south of the Daintree River so other clans can congregate and engage in barter and trade and you know, economics. And then even these foods will end up in their restaurants. So these you know, foods will end up in... So again, it's just driving a... Follow on effect. Yeah, and a green circuit, a fair income green circulating economy, uh, rather than just talking about an economy. You know, this is a green economy where everyone's getting value, and um, ultimately, where we're at is we want to then invite as many corporates, as many businesses, as many individuals to go carbon neutral, carbon negative with this program that we're launching. So, um, you know, a, a full package, um, which we're getting some incredible partners on board with this but we're also looking at small medium to large businesses um, to be part of this and support them with the auditing processes and so, you know so we're doing this with the clean energy regulator and climate active um, with the ACCU which is the Australian carbon credit unions so um, yeah it's, it's 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 positive it's exciting it's uh, an economy because that's what the world still sadly run off but as we know there's no economy on a dead planet right so <laughs> that's where we keep on pushing these fossil fuels um, you know, um, it just forget it. It's just, it's just obsolete. It's, 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 it's had its time. It's built us to where we're at now. Let's now evolve. Let's move to the next step. Incredibly well said, Jimmy. I'd love to talk more about this PSS challenge. When is it? And I'd love yeah. to um, be able to promote this within my Euphoria Health community. Beautiful, mate. Yeah. So March is when it kicks off. Um, you know, people probably had too much. Uh, Christmas pudding and all the rest of it. So, yeah, it's a New Year's resolution. At the end of the day, we know health and fitness is all integral to our mental health. And um, the way we're looking at this is, yeah, we, we, we really want to bring on everyone to be part of this. Like, there's so many people who are about their health and fitness. Well, that's great. Let's, yeah, and we've seen the impacts of not the planet not being healthy or this pandemic. Well, you're not able to go and do what you love, then you've had to, you know, sort of isolate. Within this, it's almost like, how do we um, prevent further? Um, you know, pandemics, rewilding the world's rainforests. All the studies are pointing to that. It's one of the most easy to do. Every dollar will establish one rainforest tree. We say establishes, not plants, because the plant's probably about 10 to $15. But with the incredible mother nature, like, you know, nature will do it itself. We've just got to help with the destruction we've done and we've created. A lot of that, um, with that $1 establishes one rainforest tree is through assisted natural restoration. So what that means is we're just removing lantana or we're removing camphoras in the big scrub rainforest in Byron Bay, which uh, basically they're just they're an introducing exotic and they take up a huge amount of canopy. So there's no sun going through and there's actually no undergrowth. There's nothing there. So we remove them. What has nature got sitting under there just waiting to bubble away? all these incredible natural rainforest species of trees. And we're finding with a one, one square metre vector, there are 48 different species of rainforest plants in there. So it is buzzing. So you know, I, I love it because at the end of the day, we remove the problem we introduced. Then all of a sudden we've got a, a whole system kicking off and we go back in three and sure, 
we help with further weeding and all the rest of it and watering as required. Um, but then we come back and all of a sudden it's like, wow, we've got a, a humming system and the cost for that was removing the campfloras or the exotics or the lantana and having volunteers part of it. So it's a community thing again as well. So, um, and sure, some people are paid um, with other forms of the work, but anyway, that's what brings our dollar value down. So, um, and then we're not only doing it in Australia, so I've mentioned some locations, we're also doing it um, in the Philippines, we're doing it in Sumatra, and we're also doing it in India with other partners. So we're kind of making this PSS wanting to be a bit of a global thing where everyone can do push-ups, sit-ups, squats, well, not everyone, but sorry, but most people can engage in some form of any form of fitness, uh, hopefully, uh, and or well-being with the with the outcome to um, yeah get close to that true interest. We're not going to do it ourselves. It's all groups, businesses coming together collectively to really do this in the next 30 years. So it's a good deadline. Yeah, beautifully said. On that note, I'm actually training for a marathon at the moment, Jimmy, and it just comes to me when you mentioned the fitness challenge because obviously I resonate with fitness a lot. I'd love to be able to set up a a donation link for for people to donate to this cause for the marathon that we're about to endure in the next eight weeks. So we'll be in contact after the show about Oh, well, mate, 100%. We can, um, like, it's still open now, so you can actually just set up a profile and people can, again, that's the thing, right? People can, we've even got people who are um, monthly recurring donors because they're like, hey, 25 bucks, I want to establish 25 trees every month ongoing. So cool. that's pretty cool that people are then taking that next initiative. And it's the same with the danger. People going, hey, $2.50, hey, I'll give, I'll give 25 bucks, which I think is $12.50. Uh, sorry, it's 12.5 uh, square meters of Daintree rainforest protected every month. I mean, they're, they're the real champions, those people who then, you know, um, can do that as well. I know some financially it's not possible, but it's just, it's just, it's, it's just great to see other people taking that incentive to go, now, you know what, I'm going to keep this going. And I think, again, they're wearing it as a badge of honour because they're like, well, this is my mark. I'm, what's my mark I'm leaving? Well, I can you know, feel good that I've done that. Um, and some people obviously do uh, you know, a, a heck of a lot more as well, which is just wonderful. But um, yeah, mate, look forward to doing that. We'll share it. You can, you can be our case study for launching the 2022 PSS Challenge with Maddie. Um, <laughs> and that's the thing, right? we'd love to do stories. And that's what we find. Like, we're getting people hitting us up all the time. We're like, yeah, we'll set up a profile. We'd love to share this with our half cutters because they get excited. And, and then, you know, it's like FOMO. It's like, man, he's doing that. Well, I'm going to do it too. You know, like it's just that sort of, you know, oh, well, I'm doing a marathon or I'm going to, you know, so from bike that's riding to walks to treks, totally right. It's like, what are you doing at the time that can make even, it's just not about you. It's, there's also another layer to it. And I think that's where the mindset needs to change. Yes, you're doing something for you or something good, but then if you're also doing something that's putting back in, I think that's a bit of a psychological up. It's a bit of a, you've you, you got a bit of an edge on the competitor you're competing against maybe, right? I just kind of feel there's a little bit more drive to it. It's a bit more like, well, I'm doing, it's like, oh, well, that guy's just doing it, but hey, I'm doing this and this. It's like, I feel good about that. You know, so, and I mean, as I said, like we all know every sort of footprint from, um, I mean, I was even looking at a Julie, mate, a Julie mountain bike. But again, I'm like, oh, the footprint, I don't ever know. What should I do? Should I just keep with the hardtail? So, but you know what I mean? Like, and that's the thing. It's like, I want to get to a point where if I do make that purchase, I can offset that footprint and feel good about it. Um, and then even go and plant the trees, which is just the, the icing on the cake. Understand. On the vegan cake. understanding how all of our all of our decisions have an impact and i guess understanding how we can make better decisions and educating and empowering ourselves is how we we go one step forward to making you know bigger change probably mate it's um as i said i think it's 
uh, what I hope is there is still that thirst and the hunger for it. And then literally we have enough of people doing this. We force the hands of governments, you know, state, federally, uh, uh, state, uh, fed, local, state and federally, we then become the change makers. So, um, so yeah, anyway, it's, it's, it's exciting. A lot of work to do um, as always, but it's exciting. And I think we're, um, we're definitely opening up the conversation, Jimmy. I'm going to have to wrap this show up, but it's been an absolute Sorry, pleasure. Mate absolute pleasure again to into the nitty-gritty of this conversation i'd love to provide the listeners with a little bit more information on divesting and every other impact that they can make where can they go to and find out some more information right, about this so the the triple switch um so trip triple switch.org we've got articles there on divestment we've got our partners we're working with at the moment it will be the old website uh, the new website will be up around the 15th of october but you'll still get information there, which is great. Um, we're hoping to actually beat. We had 6,800 people divest last year. So like yeah. anything, you want to you match that or double it, right? So that that's pretty powerful. Um, if we can do that again, that'd just be a result. And we think we will. Um, if you want to have a, a yarn with me, as you can see, I'm a Google bugger, which is, stands for chatterbox in Eastern Google Yalangi <laughs> language. Uh, get us a, a Jimmy Halfcut or on the organisation halfcut.org. Um, so yeah, they're probably the best, or even just go to www.halfcut.org and you can see all the incredible Daintree buyback projects we've done. Um, still aiming for the million, we're 500, oh no, I think 407, oh, sorry, $47,000 off from the 1 million. So uh, yeah. as we know, we just keep that open and keep chipping away. Um, so as I said, 207 more lots to save in the Daintree, 400 hectares. So Incredible. pretty awesome. Absolutely wonderful, mate. And I'll have all those links for you guys in the show notes. And I guess the beauty about this, Jimmy, is that if you, you're not in a position to donate, you can chop half your beard off. If you're not in a position to do that, you can do, do some fitness challenges. <laughs> it, but there's there's ways that everyone can get involved and jump on this totally train. Right. Like, you're spot on, mate. And if, if you might not have the finance, absolutely. We know it, it's, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, running a not-for-profit Ooh running a not-for-profit for eight years, uh, working from our bedroom, you know, we'll be ahead of the curve, as I said to you earlier, mate. Um, yeah, it's you then, you know, you might have a family member or a parent or a friend who goes, no, good on you, mate. That's I'm impressed with you doing that. You know, that's where the magic really kicks off. Definitely. Jimmy, thank you so much for your time today, mate. It was an absolute pleasure. Matt, you're an absolute awesome earth brother, mate. Thanks for your time as well, bro. Legend. Well, there you have it, friends. Jimmy Halfcart, the team at Halfcart, you guys are doing incredible work. Thank you so much for raising awareness for this important topic and for shedding light on how we can have an impact. Guys, Jimmy just explained all of the ways that we can have an impact, whether that be financially, raising awareness through going Halfcart or completing the fitness challenges. There are so many different ways that we can have an impact. I challenge you guys to really explore these options because there is no happy people on a planet that doesn't exist. So let's start putting our planetary health first. If you're loving the content so far, guys, don't forget to head on over to iTunes and Spotify and leave a rating and review for the show. Your support means the world and I really, really appreciate everything that you guys do for the show. Thanks so much for tuning in again, friends. I will see you next time on the Euphoria Health Podcast.